Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. And we see where the Lord will lead us. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive. And together our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding will come forth in and through your word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. We're looking at called to be disciples. And um, tonight, I need you to, to understand this foundation because I'm going to deal with understanding the biblical concept of discipleship. Understanding the biblical concept of discipleship. Now, it's important for us to understand that there are words used in the scriptures that we have to understand, we have to study, and it will help us to know how those words relate to us today. So, uh, I'm going to give you three definitions of discipleship. The first one, is by the Lexham Cultural Ontology. The Lexham Cultural Ontology. It defines discipleship as the process of training people incrementally in some discipline or way of life. The process of training people incrementally in some discipline or way of life. Now, what I want you to pay attention to in this definition is the word way of life. Is the word way of life. It says, it's the process of training people incrementally in some discipline or way of life. Now, <clears throat> the, the gospel message in the early church defines discipleship as this. Becoming and being a flourishing follower of Jesus <coughs> Who embodies the character of Christ By engaging in a lifelong personal pursuit of holistic transformation And doing so Within a like-minded community of faith That's corporately committed to being and making other disciples I know you didn't write it down <laughs> but just understand the concept The concept is that you become And you are a flourishing follower of Jesus Who embodies the character of Christ Now that's what I want us to get in this definition A disciple embodies the character of Christ Praise God Now it goes on to say And this person is in personal pursuit of holistic transformation Holistic transformation The third definition is the baker Encyclopedia of Bible terms. It defines a disciple as someone who follows another person. Someone who follows another person or another way of life who submits himself to the discipline of that leader or that way. Someone who follows another person or another way of life and who submits himself to the discipline. Now the word discipline there, bracket teaching 
of that leader or way. Now, it's important for us to understand something. That the word disciple is not just a biblical word. There are some words as Christians that we're used to, but they're not really biblical words. They are words that mean something and is used in the scriptures, but they're not biblical words. So, it, so we had disciples when we get there. Talk, in the Greek philosophy, we have disciples. Alright? Of uh, I'll talk to you about the Old Testament, but let me just put it here. In the Greek philosophy, for instance, we have disciples of Socrates and disciples of Pythagoras and disciples of Epicurus. Alright? Now, all those people followed the philosophy of these, um, in quote, wise people. So, when one follows the teachings or the, um, the lifestyle of someone, that person is the disciple of the one he's following. Are you following this? Are you here or you're going home? Alright. Now, you don't find the word disciple used so much in the Old Testament. But there is a... In the Old Testament... There is a word used that connotes discipleship. And that word is thought, learned, discipled, or accustomed to something. Because when you're learning from someone, it changes your life. You become accustomed, you develop new habits. Now that word in the Hebrew is used six times in six scriptures. And we're going to read those scriptures, so I'll show it to you. First one is Isaiah chapter 8, verse 16. Isaiah chapter 8, verse 16. Now, it's important you follow closely because I'm giving you the biblical foundation for what discipleship is. And because many people do not have an understanding of this, um, they are not able to, to really understand who a disciple of Jesus should be. So in Isaiah chapter 8 verse 16 Isaiah was writing and it says Bind up the testimony Seal the law among my disciples Seal the law among my disciples Now that word law there um, In the original Hebrew is teaching Let's check the NIV version um, check the NIV version. It says, bind up the testimony. uses the word law. Check. Uh, what does King James use? Uses the word law also? Try New King James uses the word law. Well, that word law in the Hebrew actually means teaching. Seal the teaching among my disciples. Preserve the teaching of God and trust his instructions to those who follow me. So the New Living Translation uses the word instructions. Okay, now go back to the New American Standard Version. So you realize that the law or the teaching has to be sealed among the disciples. So it's the disciples that carries the teaching. That's one of the words for discipleship in the Old Testament. In Isaiah chapter 50 verse 4, Isaiah chapter 50 verse 4, it says, the Lord, now, now, I needed to follow gradually, okay? At the beginning, it might look like it's, but just, just follow gradually and towards the end, it will become clearer. Just, so just follow. Now, 
Uh, if you read Isaiah chapter 50 verse 4 It says The Lord God has given me the tongue of disciples Now if you use other translation It says He's given me the tongue of the learned Did you follow that? Are you here? It's giving me the tongue of the learned Because the Hebrew word for disciple Actually means learned one Or not somebody who knows But the one who is learning So he says the Lord has given me the tongue of what? Of a disciples That I may know how to sustain the weary One with the word He awakens me morning by morning He awakens my ear to listen as a disciple. Okay? He awakens my ear to listen as a disciple. Some translation says, He awakens my ears to hear as those who are taught. He awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. So, the concept of discipleship is actually the concept of learning, the concept of being taught. Praise God. Let's try another translation. Let's, let's see the NIV. Can you see that? It says, the sovereign Lord has given me an instructed tongue. So you see that word again, instructed. So if you find, the, you're going to find the, those words changed depending on the translation. You're going to find disciple, taught, learned, instructed. That is the concept. Okay? To know the word that sustains the weary. He wakens me morning by morning, wakens my ear to listen like one being taught. Did you see that? Are you here? It says, He wakens my ear like one, what? Being taught. So that word taught and the word instructed are the same Hebrew word. They are the same Hebrew word. And that is the concept of discipleship. Now let's see another one. Isaiah 54 verse 13. Isaiah chapter 54 and verse 13. It says, And all your sons will be taught. That word there is the same Hebrew word. For disciples. It means that your children will be disciples. It says, All your sons will be taught of the Lord. They will be disciples of the Lord. And the well being of your sons will be great. Praise God. All your sons will be taught. And their well being will be great. So, the very concept of being a disciple of Jesus. Is the concept of being instructed and being taught. Now, uh, many times we say we see discipleship as following, and that's very limited because you can follow someone and you're not receiving instructions from them. So, in that case, you're not a disciple. Multitudes followed Jesus, but they weren't his disciples. So, uh, a disciple is not just someone who is following God. Are you here? A disciple is not just someone who is following God. A disciple is someone who is following God and being instructed by God, being taught by God. That's why uh, there is a call to discipleship. 
There is a call to discipleship. So you're not just following God. No. You're following God to be instructed by Him. To be taught by Him. To learn from Him. Praise God. Are you still here? Now, another word is Jeremiah 2.24. Now, this is interesting because it's, it's, uh, it doesn't come out straight. But you would understand it. Remember, I said the Hebrew word, Jeremiah 2.24. Remember, I said the Hebrew word for disciple used in the Old Testament is three things. Taught, learned, disciples, or accustomed to something, or habits. Because what you are learning uh, becomes your custom. The word accustom, um, if you go into the usage of words, the word accustom comes from the word custom. What's custom? What is, what is custom or culture of a people? Right? It's the way of life. Okay? So we use culture more than custom. But, I mean, you can put those two words, right? If you say, hey, come on, are you here? Alright. It's looking like physics class. Right? Now, you can say, what's the custom of the Ibani people? Or what's the culture of the Ibani people? Can we use custom for culture? Right? So the word accustom comes from that word custom. Which means habit. So it says, a wild donkey is accustomed to the wilderness. That word accustomed there is the same word as disciple. In the Hebrew. That's the same word. It's like the donkey has lived so much in the wilderness that when you put her in the wilderness she finds joy so um, a wild donkey accustomed to the wilderness that sniffs the wind in a passion in the time of a heat who can turn away or who seek her will not become weary in a month they will find her but what I want you to pick there is the word accustomed that's the fourth time um, that the word disciple was used so uh, a disciple is one who is learned Whose habits begins to change and reflect. Um, I don't know if you were in um, in school. Did you follow? Did you not follow? Now? I assume you didn't follow. But did you see people who said they were Rastafarians and they followed Bob Marley? Huh? Did you have people like that in your school? Or, or they were not serious followers? Oh, okay. Now there are people who say they just followed Bob Marley. Okay, and. All they did was just to nod their head and raise their leg when they heard Bob Marley's song. Those ones are multitudes. They didn't follow. Those who, who really followed, their English became almost Jamaican. They used human. Right? Those are disciples. Then the real serious disciples now started wearing dreadlocks. Then the ones that are very serious now had green, red, and yellow handband. And re, re, green, red, and yellow bandana. Those ones are his disciples. Are you following this now? So there are levels in this discipleship thing. There are those who just are, I like his song. They are not disciples. But their haircut is still the same. Their English is still the same. They haven't been taught. They are not learned. They are not accustomed to the ways of reggae. Are you following this? But as you press on... <laughs> As you press on, your English will begin to change. Your hair. So you realize that the man who is discipling you, it will begin to reflect in your outward appearance. That is why I have a very... I find it difficult to tell people to dress well. 
I kind of find it difficult because I realize that you are asking somebody to do something that inside they are not. There is a way you will know who you are. It will reflect in how you dress. The scripture talks about the attire of the harlot. There is, you know, if you see yourself as dignity, if you see yourself as royalty, it has to come from the inside. It has to come from the inside. You see, what a man has not seen himself to become, you cannot make to become. You know what will happen when you have those kind of people? They will dress very well in church. But they will have two sets of dress. The one that you approve. And the one they really want to wear. So if you meet such people outside, they want to, they will say, but this is not church now. I cannot be free again. You see, so the challenge now is that it has not become a way of life. So to them, dressing well to church is like wearing uniform to work. So what they really want to wear. Praise God. Let's leave that. In the Greek culture, the word used for discipleship is an interesting word. It's mathetes. M-A-T-H-E-T-E-S. It means a pupil. Like in primary school. It means a pupil. It means a learner. It means the one who is committed on a high level. An adherent. Somebody who adheres. Okay? It's, it's used as an institutional pupil. Like when you, are, when you register a child in a school. Mathetes. That's the word disciple. Okay? Now, it's interesting because this word is used over 300 and 262 times in the New Testament. It's used a lot in the New Testament. Now, I want to show you something. In the days of Jesus, it wasn't only Jesus who had disciples. So you must be clear about that. It wasn't only Jesus who had disciples. In the days of Jesus, um, every rabbi had his own disciples. So let's read something. Go to John chapter 9 and verse 28. John 9, 28. Thank you, Lord Jesus. John chapter 9 and verse 28. The Pharisee says, um, let's read from verse. You remember... (coughs) Uh, you remember this? It, I, I like this story. It's an interesting story. When this man was born blind, okay. Um, so where can we take the story from again? Um, let's read from verse seventeen. And let's seventeen. So they said to the blind man again, "What do you say about him? Since he opened your eyes, and he said he's a prophet." Okay. Remember, this was the story of the man that was born blind. The Jews then did not believe it of him that he had been blind and had received sight until they called the parents of the very one who had received the sight and questioned them saying, Is this your son who you say was born blind? Then how does he now see? His parents answered them and said, We know that he is our son and that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. And then I like that reply. Ask him, he is of age, he will speak for himself. You know, sometimes we go and ask people things about people that we know. And they can speak for themselves. I like that reply. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone confessed him to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. You see, you must understand what it took for people to be Christians in those days. If you agree that Jesus was the Christ, they sent you out of the synagogue. And to the Jew, if you were sent out of the synagogue, it's like you've been ostracized. It took commitment for people to accept the Lord Jesus. It wasn't easy. You couldn't just put up stickers and say, I follow Jesus. Or if you are a Jesus follower, honk. 
poison. They'll kill you. And, and I believe that uh, because of the way they got into the faith, it helped them to actually, they believed the message. Jesus was not an escape route from poverty. Jesus was not an escape route from witches and wizards. It was, it was a total new way of life they were to embrace. And if Christianity is to transform the nations of the earth, we must move from being, becoming multitudes to becoming disciples of Christ. You know, it's been said by church history that the revival in Africa is a thousand feet wide and one inch deep. You know what that means? A lot of people say they are Christians. But their character hmm? Or our character It's like this Chances are There are believers who tell lies for a living That means you have to find the truth in their mouth And it shouldn't be so it shouldn't be so Because a believer in Christ The accepting of Jesus should change everything about you. Praise God. Now let's let's keep reading. Let's go to verse twenty-five quickly, please, because of our time. He then answered, "Whether he's a sinner, the man replied, them, whether he's a sinner, I don't know. One thing I do know that though I was blind, now I see." So they said to him, "What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes?" He answered them, "I told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again?" You do, you do not want to become his disciples to do you. So the man says, I told you I was here. Do you want to hear? Do you want to become his disciple? Now look at what he said. Look at the answer. They reviled him and said, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he is from. He's talking about Jesus. So you realize that they, the Pharisees says they were disciples of who? Moses. Why? Because they uh, studied the Torah. They learned the five books of Moses. By the time you were 12, you should have memorized the Torah. You should have known the, the, the law before the, what you call the Bar Mitzvah ceremony, where you are publicly proclaimed as a man or as a son. And that's what the Lord did for Jesus when he went on River Jordan. It wasn't just baptism so that he would be a new believer. No, that was spiritually the declaration that Jesus was the Son of God. Every Jew had to partake of the Bar Mitzvah ceremony. When you feel your son has come of age, that he can take your property, take a hold of your things, or represent you, you call the congregation together, you brought your son to the front, and you declare that from this day he is my son. And that's what the Lord did for Jesus um, on the river Jordan. That was the significance of that. So the Jews understood that. When they heard that voice, this is my son in whom I am well pleased, they understood. It wasn't that God was reading a poem. No. That's why he said, this is my son, I am well pleased, hear ye him. Which means that whatever he says, I am the one saying it. Praise God. Alright. So, um, John the Baptist also had disciples. Mark chapter 2 verse 18. Mark 2.18. We're looking at the biblical concept of discipleship. Mark chapter 2 and verse 18. John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. 
And they came and said to him, Why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? So, in this passage, you will see three disciples. Who are the disciples? Open book and open book question. What are, what are the three disciples in this place? John's disciples, Pharisees' disciples, and Jesus' disciples. So you realize that the man who's teaching you follow, you are the disciple of that man. So during the days of Jesus, it wasn't only Jesus who had disciples. That's why you realize that the disciples of Jesus came to him and said, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples to pray. Pay attention to this. What that means is that when you hear the disciples of John pray, you will know that this is John's disciple. That means their prayer was shaped by the teachings of John. Are you still here? That's why, listen to me, all this listening to many people, it breeds confusion. Because, you know, sometimes you pray like, uh, let me not mention names here. Eh? Sometimes you pray like this, you talk like this, you believe like this, you, you can't be discipled. And you know, the challenge with our days today is because there are celebrity preachers, and which is very sad and unfortunate, that in quote, if a big man of God says something, whether it's correct or not, we swallow it hook, line, and sinker. Especially if there are some, what we call, dimensions of results. So the average believer picks from here, 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 and you know, you hear people say, oh, this is my church, but I go for prayers somewhere. It's like the disciples of Jesus saying, we, we learn teaching from you, but is the Pharisees teaching us how to pray. No, it doesn't work that way. Hallelujah. Are you still here? Let's read something in Luke 11 verse 1. Luke chapter 11 verse 1. Just showing you the concept of discipleship. Just laying that foundation. Luke 11 1. It happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place, after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. So you realize that um, John did not assume that his disciples could pray. He taught them to pray. Are you following this? He taught them to pray. So, uh, so when you heard a man praying, you could say, oh, that's, the, that's how John prays. That's the disciple of John. And so Jesus taught them how to pray. So obviously, when you hear the disciples of Jesus praying, they are not going to start with any other words than our Father. Our Father. And it was because Jesus was teaching them the revelation that by his death, burial, and resurrection, God is not only the Father of Jesus, he has become our Father. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Glory to God. So that's... that's um, you could find that several people had disciples. Let's go to Acts chapter 19. Let me show you something there. Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19. Verse 1 to 7. It, it happened that while Apollo was at Corinth, Paul passed through the upper country and came to Ephesus and found some disciples found some disciples he said to them did you receive the holy spirit when you believed and he said to him no we have not even heard whether there is a holy spirit and he said into 
what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. So they were baptized into John's baptism, the baptism John conducted. When they heard, Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in him who was coming after him, that is in Jesus. So they, they, he went there and these people were not speaking in tongues. So he said, uh, hey, why are you not speaking in tongues? Have you been baptized? So we're baptized into John's baptism. That means it was what John taught, they believed and they acted on. So Paul had to explain to them that the baptism of John was unto repentance. Um, And this is very important, you must understand this. The baptism of John was to identify who the Messiah is. Because the Messiah had to be identified and had to be prepared for sacrifice, had to be washed for sacrifice. So when he, that's why John identified Jesus as the Lamb that takes away the sin of the world. But that baptism was for repentance. Now go on. Verse 5. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they began speaking with tongues and prophesying. They were in all about 12 men. Praise God. They were in all about 12 men. Um, let's read the next line because I want to show you something there. How did the message spread? How did Paul teach people? Look at what he says. And he entered the synagogue and continued speaking out boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. So for three months, Paul was teaching about the kingdom. But when some people were becoming hardened and disobedient, speaking evil of the way before the people, he withdrew from them and took away the disciples. Observe that. Took away the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. Pay attention to this. How was Paul's approach to persecution? He doubled his teaching. When he realized that where he was teaching, there were some people speaking evil of the way, casting aspersion on the gospel he was preaching, he withdrew his disciples. And uh, it's been said by church history that the school of Tyrannos, um, you know, it was a school they had in the morning, and then by the time they closed, Paul rented that school and taught from mid-afternoon till about night. So what Paul did was he took a group of people who believed in him and he began to teach them daily. He incre- he inc- you see, conviction is bettered by teaching. Conviction is bettered by teaching. Are you following what I'm saying? You see, if you want to grow more in God, you have to hear the word daily. It's not you hear 40 minutes on Sunday, 30 minutes on Wednesday, and then on Monday. You know, when we're, tra- when we're coming, we're traveling from, from the camp meeting we went to, all the cars I entered. Immediately I entered the car, I mean, the radio comes on. And I said, um, is that a secular station or a secular music? The driver said, yes. I said, put it off. Put it off. Because, you know, sometimes you just tell yourself, I'm not really paying attention. And your spirit is dancing. Yeah. Just put it off. So my kids don't hear a secular song. They never heard a secular song anywhere, except the one they hear on their way to school or here around their school. You never hear it. Because no information leaves you the same. No music leaves you the same. You can't hear blues and not be thinking of romance. You know, it's when you hear blues constantly, you now just feel lonely. And look straight as if I'm talking to myself. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You can't 
hear blues and be thinking of smoking. But when you hear Bob Marley, you just think that ah, it's God that created weed. Why are, we, why are we arresting people? You see, there is no music that doesn't have spirit and life. Music is words communicated poetically. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's why you see that, you see, we don't, you see, we always feel like we know. And we can control ourselves. Man was not designed that way. Man was designed to live by systems. You have to put systems in place to ensure your maturity. I've met preachers who backslided. I've met preachers who became alcoholic. It's not that they didn't know the Bible. Are you following what I'm saying? There's a, if you are not careful, Christianity can just become head knowledge. If I say praise the Lord now, you say hallelujah. Even if you, you, you don't know why I say praise the Lord. You just know if I say praise the Lord, hallelujah, amen, amen. Uh, glory to Jesus, honor to Mary. You understand that? You just, I mean, there are just words you fit in there and it will just be flowing. And you can practice speaking in tongues, even when you are not conscious. Are you following what I'm saying? So if you are not careful, Christianity just becomes an art. It, it can become very easy to be hypocritical. That's why sometimes people are deceived. If you're not a disciple, because after a while in church, you know all you need to do for people not to catch you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You are not hearing. Are you hearing? Yeah. You know when you just say it is well, say it is well, my sister. Shalom. <laughs> okay. Now. Um, we talked about the Jewish culture. The Jews, at the beginning, the fundamental way by which they learned the scripture was through the home, the parents. Let me tell you this. And pay attention to this. Uh, Christianity was never designed to be spread through church. Church is where you are taught. This is the concept of Christianity. You come to church, I've taught you now. You ought to go home and break these things down for your children. God holds you responsible for teaching your children. That's why you see that they didn't start children ministry in the synagogue. There was no children teacher. That's why at the age of 12, Jesus could talk to the rabbi. It was not because it was Jesus. They all went into the synagogue. If you read the book of Nehemiah, it says uh, they read the law from morning till evening, all those who could understand. So immediately your child can come to the age of understanding. They sat in the synagogue and they heard the reading of God's word. Because... Uh, the Jews trained their children very early so that by 12 they could, they could understand the law, they could know the law. It was the requirement of parenthood. That's why, if you raise a home where the father has no word, the mother has no word, you really can't do anything because the truth of the matter is that I just have one hour to teach you, and before I see you again is Sunday. That's if I see you, rain doesn't fall. So maybe in a month you hear me teach three times. And your children are with us for three times. And then they go to school. And they learn everything else. So you've got to be deliberate in teaching the word. Now, when, the Jew, when you studied the basic Torah and you wanted to learn more, you were now sent to study under a rabbi. So when Jesus came, and every rabbi had to have his own disciples. So let me show you. Paul studied under Gamaliel. So in Acts chapter 5, it was referenced. Let me show you. Acts chapter 5 and verse 34. Acts 5, 34. It says, But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, 
respected by all the people, stood up in the council and gave orders to put the men outside for a short time. Now go to Acts 22, verse 3. Acts 22, verse 3. This was Paul talking about his uh, credentials. He was talking about who he was. He says, uh, <laughs> This is interesting. Um, I am a Jew, born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city, educated under Gamaliel. Observe the words he used, educated under Gamaliel. So he learned the law. Remember, the, the, the scripture we just read said that Gamaliel was who? A who? Did you read it? Was a teacher of the law. So, uh, Paul went to Gamaliel and studied under him. And Gamaliel would have been very good because Paul was good. So, this was not secular education. Gamaliel was a teacher of the Lord. Then he says, I am a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city, educated under Gamaliel, strictly according to the law of our fathers, being zealous for God just as you are today. So, we understand that uh, Paul was a student, was a disciple of Gamaliel. So, it, it, it was such a thing that when you studied under someone, you, you, could, you, could, you could boldly say, this is my teacher. Are you following this? You see, Christianity was not designed to have multiple, one person will have multiple teachers. That's the truth. Because what you realize is you would have com- conflicting beliefs and conflicting behavioral patterns. And if you want to mature, most people who mature faster in the Christian faith mature because someone is deliberately discipling them. Anybody here? Who, if you accepted the Lord way back You realize that one of the first things the church did for you Was to assign someone to you To help you Read your Bible Pray Give you books Am I right? People who have someone discipling them grow faster Because there is no discipleship without accountability And not many people have that today So what we have today is people gathering teachers to themselves Because they have itchy ears so when someone preaches what you don't like, you change. You get another preacher. When someone... <laughs> Praise God. Are you still here? Okay. Uh, let me show you something. Luke chapter 6, verse 40. I'm just, lay, I'm just laying foundation here and I'll pick this up tomorrow as I talk about demands of discipleship. But I want you to understand what discipleship is. So it wasn't, and that's why you realize that Jesus always took time with the twelve and explained parables to them. The scriptures say he, teach, he taught the multitudes and then he took the twelve up and did what? Explain these parables to them. It says to you, the mystery, the secret of the kingdom has been given. Because the foundation of discipleship is learning. And you see, that's the primary purpose of the church. The primary purpose of the church is to teach you scriptures. That's the primary purpose of the church. The church, the church birthed is a learning environment. In the book of Acts, when they, when they accepted the Lord, the Bible says, and they devoted themselves steadfastly to the apostles' doctrine. They devoted themselves steadfastly to the apostles' doctrine. 
They were not just looking for power. They were not just looking for who will touch them and their lives will turn around. They, when they came to Christ, they, they, they knew they had found eternal life. There was nothing wrong with them. They went to the synagogue to learn. If you read the book of Isaiah, the scripture says, and um, the mountain of the house of the Lord will be exalted above all other mountains, and then the, the nations will troop and they'll say, teach us the law. Believers need to know the Bible more. The, the lines are getting blurred. People, I mean, I, I, I was so shocked when I saw on the internet and, and people were arguing about poly, polygamy. And pastors were arguing for and against. And you know the reason? Because we respect celebrities. So if a celebrity, is, if a music star tries to interpret the Bible, we will say it's true. Is it, is it you? See, the truth of the matter is that the way we have church run presently, if we don't do a 180 degree turn, Christianity will start fading away gradually. Because you know what we have? We have, we have shouting games on Sunday. Hmm? I say, I see a door open, I receive. I see a door open. I, we just have, we just play on Sunday. I'm not saying doors should not open. But you see, the truth of the matter is that <laughs> if you see the Muslim faith, hmm? what the Jews do, that's what the Muslims do. By the age of 10, 11, the average Islamic boy would have read the Quran, memorized the Quran. And then if he, if the, 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 the parents want them to go to an Islamic school. Those are the people that become like the Almajiris. They send them to, to, to uh, a teaching priest. So you see that the average Muslim does not argue on Facebook. You won't see them argue. In the first place, they will never argue with their teacher. They will never argue with their teacher. And they are sound. That's why they can also kill you for your faith. Because, you see, they did not accept Islam as a religion. It's a way of life. So that, this is what I'm saying. I served in the north. I served in Zamfara when Sharia was at the peak. And they had the Hijba police. And even as coppers, we could not take pictures with fellow coppers who were ladies and we held them. We could not. You must not be seen. When we were taking pictures, we stood like this. I'll tell you something. I had a friend, a friend of mine. He was invigilating in, in a place called Talata Mafara in Zamfara. That was his, I was at Guzo, the, the headquarters, the, the, the capital city, because I was Bible study secretary. He was at Talata Mafara, one of the zones. And he was invigilating a student. And the, the student was trying to copy or something, and then there was a bit of the Quran under the book. He didn't know, so he took the book and flung it away, and the Quran fell. There was a holy hush. When you say there was silence in heaven, everywhere was silence. The next word he heard was run for your life. Literally, NYC had to take that boy out of the state that night. He didn't come back until passing out parade. They would have killed him. What that means is that if you sit with somebody from the other faith and there is a demand on their religion, friendship ceases. Business ceases. Religion comes first. How do you explain that someone would put bombs in his body and get into a flight and somewhere and that he's going to bomb everywhere? And when you ask his mother, his mother is happy. 
His mother is happy that my son has sacrificed for the sake of Allah. I mean, his mother is happy. And then somebody wants to become a pastor. You say, oh, it's because he's lazy. You should go and look for something to eat. Do you understand that? Have you seen Muslims do partnership? The way we ask for partners. Social media partnership, we want to publish. They don't do that. Because those who are wealthy know that it is their responsibility to fund. They don't do fundraising for mosque. You see, I will say, oh, if it's one bag of cement, bring. If it is uh, sand, one pan, bring. Our things are just like that. Because there's no conviction. That's the truth. There's no conviction. Have you ever seen a Muslim man come outside and he say he's doing video and want to thank you people for supporting the mosque? We are almost done. Remain the roof of the mosque. No, have you watched in your life? It will never happen. The wealthy people in the faith will, will make sure it does not happen. They count it a thing of joy to build a house. They count it. Governors will build. This year we beg for everything. We let God touch your heart. Let the Holy Spirit touch your heart. As, you, as we are building this church, your life will go up. As we are painting, your life will be painted. It's because there are no convictions. There, you know, the man is not convinced God called him, so he will beg. The people are not convinced God called the man, so it's, it's who can talk more. Who, who is more skilled in oratory? And that's why you have some very nice preachers preach rubbish from the pulpit, and people will just say, man, that is deep. Ah, see, Revelation. And everything is out of scriptures. <laughs> so if we want to talk about discipleship, it's not just in, on the part of the preacher. It's also on the part of those who are listening. That after Paul had taught, what would the Berean believers do? They will go back. That is why you are writing notes. You are not writing notes to make me happy. You ought to go back and check and okay, pastor read this scripture. This is what he said. And then the engagement between a pastor and his member ought to be like, Oh, pastor, you said this in this verse. But this verse says this. How do you reconcile that? That's the church engagement. It's not every time Papa celebrates grace. Papa celebrates grace. Papa, no, don't, no. It's not that. It's about learning. It's about betting conviction. God forbid. Let's say persecution arises today that none of us will deny the faith because we will die. That's what Christianity is. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Luke 6.40 The last time I was coming from Ghana in March I think I sent the picture when I took I saw um, over 40 young missionaries of the Church of the Latter Day Saints the Mormons 40 of them 40 Feel the plane they were all being sent to Nigeria from several places. They were all being sent. They, they had gone there for like six months studying the doctrine of the Mormons. Studying diligently for six months. Young people, young, I mean young. Some ladies were among them. And they were being released as missionaries to the nation. You know the Mormons don't print flyers. But they are one of the richest religious sects. One of the richest. They are loaded. You know, I have said this before. Pentecostals don't have money. Uh, just no, forget all this. I have private jets. We, we don't have anything. And that's why the noise is loud. Go and study about the Mormons. Go online study about them. See how much they are worth. See how much they are worth. 
And you know those guys don't make noise, don't do anything. They just go on the streets every day preaching. You know, if you want to identify them, they wear their black trousers, white shirts, then they have a small badge there with their name. You see a young child who will say he's an elder. Yeah, two of them. Two of the, there are two boys in, in Wari Church. They were Mormon missionaries. And they encountered my dad. My dad took them up for one month plus. They converted. They are in our church. So they gave us all this stuff they were using and told us how they, they operated. They are sound. They will ask you questions. That's why you see we don't engage Jehovah Witnesses. Once your husband, I'm busy at the worst place. Oh, so yeah, give me your magazine. Where's your envelope? It's not because you want them to go. You know that. Do you understand? Let to reason scriptures. And you see, you can't reason scriptures if you are not bold. If you don't understand doctrine. And that's why you realize that sometimes when people travel out of this country, it's almost like they are backsliding. It's not because they are backsliding. It's, it's just, well, they are backsliding in a, in a sense. Let me just put it that way. But the, what drove the Christianity here is what? Comfort. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Hey, are you here? That's what, it wasn't discipleship. It's what? Comfort. I say, I see things going around for you. You will, ah, you will drive your car. Anybody who says you will not park your car, that person will also park his life. We park his life so you will park your car. I say, man, fire, fire. Then you now go to where, even if you don't have faith, they can say, take car. Pay as long as you like. Anything you want in this life, you can take and mortgage your life for the next 40 years. Roads are okay. Nobody's coming to kidnap you. Police is not saying on your inner light. Do you understand? I mean, there is light. If things are bad, they can even government can send sandwich to you to eat. Children are you now ask yourself, so okay, so why should I pray? That's the first question. Because all your prayer you learned here. Is it that you are praying against the president or you are praying for one? And there are people in America who don't care who is God, who is president. Do, do you understand? Now, it's not as if those people now are backsliding. The, the vanity of the Christianity we practice now shows. And that's why you also find out when people sometimes in this part of the world are now rich, it's now difficult for them to serve God. So you also, oh, Pastor, I'll see you later. Please send the church accounts. Then once, you know, sometimes when the, when the pastor hears church, church accounts, it's like they remove the brain. It's anywhere you are, anywhere you are, the blessing of this commission will locate you. Whether the man is coming to church again or not, you just want the money. And that is the, and listen carefully to this now. I may mean, look like I'm talking, but serious. Listen to this. That is what has not happened that is destroying the marriage institution. Because what we have built over time with that is that men just see themselves as people who send women and children to church and they give money. So, they are just so. When we started church, uh, a man came. First week, a man came. And he asked me, oh, what, what does this church need? At that time, we needed a generator. So I said, oh, we don't need anything. I said, you don't have to give anything now. Sit down and listen to the word. And if you like the church and you enjoy the message, then you can give. You know that thing touched him. He said, I was the first pastor. He was asking if the ministry needed anything. And he said, we need a generator. But can you imagine somebody just coming the first day and buy a generator for us? It might look like a miracle, but we might end up worshipping him. It might look like a breakthrough. The man we have been praying for, our destiny has come. Okay, so now, unfortunately, 
the man has left. That means destiny has passed gone. How do we now do ministry? <laughs> Discipleship means personal convictions. You, you know the word. You read the word. You know the Bible. And what we, what we find is that immediately you are studying the word. You say, ah, you want to become a pastor? He said, no, no. So we, we just have this thing that it's only pastors that should get serious. You even say people, people are bold about it. I cannot quote this scripture. You know I'm not a pastor. You shouldn't say that. This book was not given for pastors. It was given for those who believe in the Lord Jesus. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Hey, hey, hey. Are you here? This book is not book for pastors. It's book for everybody who is what? A child of God. And that's what discipleship is. Look at what, remember what we said about the definition of the word disciple. It means what? Pupil. Alright? So, if you read um, the New American Standard Bible, it says, a pupil is not above his teacher. You know, sometimes we say a disciple, right? Is not above his teacher. But everyone, stay there, a pupil is not above his teacher, but everyone, after he has been fully trained will be like his teacher. Hmm. This is big. He says a pupil is not above his teacher. But, every, but after he has been fully trained, he has been fully taught, will be like his teacher. Can you see the goal of discipleship? See, the goal of discipleship is for you to be like your teacher. After you're fully trained. Let's read the NIV version. Okay, student is not above his teacher, so he uses the word student. But everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. The King James uses the word a disciple. is not above his teacher. But everyone that is perfect, that word perfect there is tell us, trained, matured, will, shall be as his master. You see, that's the goal of discipleship. It's conviction. Let me show you, I've been talking about conviction. Let me show you what conviction is. Do you remember when all those things happened to Job? Job chapter 1 and all that? What did the wife say? You don't know what Job, Job's wife said? They should cause God and do what? And die. She wanted to become a widow voluntarily. But what did Job say? I know my Redeemer lives. You see, when you are convinced, things will not move you. Trials will not move you. Tribulations will not move you. You will stand by the word of God. Hallelujah. You will be rooted. That's why Paul says, be rooted and grounded. Be rooted. A disciple is rooted. You're not moved. You're grounded. Your roots are firm. Your Christianity is not a fair weather Christianity. You know when the disciples were flogged in the book of Acts? He says they went home rejoicing. Counting it joy to suffer sufferings for the sake. Imagine as we're here. They take all of us, they flog us. 
Plug everybody, including myself. Do you think if you come on Sunday, you, you meet me here? <laughs> we'll, send, we'll send bulk SMS to everybody. Say, go to Mike's Live and connect. We'll be broadcasting from somewhere. Now, imagine we're flogged and then we start rejoicing. Father, thank you because we were flogged for your namesake. <laughs> you know, it will take a level of conviction to even say thank you. The first you say is, they say God can see everything. <laughs> Did God not see them coming? Did God not see them coming? <laughs> Angels, we plead the blood. We're going to defense mode. <laughs> ah, man. Convictions. Convictions are better by consistent training. I've always given you this example. Some of you are engineers here. Some of you are doctors. Some of you are mechanics. Some of you are whatever you are. How did you become it? You subjected yourself to training. So four people went to school. One says, I'm going to study medicine. The other one says, I'll study statistics. The other one says, I'll study nursing. And they subjected themselves to masters. Right? And teachers. Put up that scripture for me again. They subjected themselves to masters and to teachers. For how many years? Medicine is how many years? Seven and a half. Eight years. So, the man, pay attention to this, the man goes to the faculty of medicine and meets a teacher who is an optician. Let's say he's an eye doctor. He's an optician. And that teacher teaches him for four years. Then, that young man who was your classmate comes out. And then there's an issue with the eye. Then what happened? You go and subject your eye to that classmate. Why? Because the disciple is now like his teacher. He's been fully trained. He's been fully trained. So, you see, the proof that you are a Christian is not that you go to church. Is are you like your master? And who is your master? Your master is not your papa. Your master is Jesus. You see, all these ones that you're looking like, eh, I'm more serious than this person. Ah, even if they are counting solid uh, pillars in this church, eh, I'm one of the pillars. If you like, be twelve, two in one pillars. God is not comparing you with anyone. He's comparing you with the master. Your, you see, your standard in Christianity is Jesus. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Uh, at least, I used to get angry again, but I'm not as angry as my husband. Both of you. Your standard. <laughs> Praise God. Alright, praise the name of the Lord. Okay, so Paul says, if we compare ourselves with one another, what happened? He says we're not wise. So, Christianity is not about comparing yourself. Let me tell you, Christianity is not even comparing yourself with your pastor. It's comparing yourself with who? Jesus. Do you know what Paul says? Paul says, imitate me. As I imitate who? Christ. 
That means both your pastor, me that is preaching, and you that is following me, all of us are following one man. I'm just helping you to see that we are following one man. That's my role. Make Christ your goal. Make Jesus your goal. If you subject yourself to discipleship, the goal is that you become like Jesus. In, not by faith, but in practice. You know what Paul said? He says, I'm a student of Gamaliel. He was bold to say, this is the man I studied under. He was bold to say it. You know, I don't know what school you went to, but you know, there are certain schools in this country that can boast. Well, they used to boast in those days, but they don't boast anymore because all the schools are now the same. Hmm? Or you said, ah, I went to this school. It's the best. Now, private universities have come to... But in those days when we had only federal schools, if uh, University of Ibadan, and some of those schools, hmm? it was like, if you didn't go to this one, ah, in fact, they used to call our, second, our own school glorified secondary school. So when we went home, and we had students from all those universities, they always wanted school discussion to come up. Why? They're proud that they studied in that institution. You see, the followers of Jesus must not be less. We mustn't hide our faith. We mustn't be ashamed of our faith. I'll talk about this on Sunday when I talk about disciples ought to make more disciples. Subject yourself to training. You see, you are not just studying the word to get a breakthrough. You're studying the word to learn about God. To learn about your faith. Hallelujah. To learn about your faith. Praise God. You're studying the word to learn and birth convictions. Praise God. A disciple that is fully trained be like his master. To be fully trained means to subject yourself to the learning process of God's word. Your goal is to be like Jesus. That's your goal. You know, every time we tell people, you don't have to speak your mind. You say, that's how I am. No, you're a wrong example of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. The scripture says, they led him to the slaughter and he opened not his mouth. And I'm dealing with that. Make sure you're here tomorrow. The flesh is the greatest enmity to discipleship. Flesh. We cannot withstand people. You know, immediately somebody talks and you feel like the person is talking down on you. The flesh will rise. Show them your true color. Show them your true color. Christianity is not stupidity. To be a believer is not to be foolish. And you just manifest. You see, your anger does not work the righteousness of God. What would Jesus do? Do you realize that Jesus said if you're slapped on one cheek, turn the other one? He didn't say it. Did Jesus say it? How many of you think it's a comfortable thing to do? Hmm? You know, there are some people who, who's got quiet husbands. And uh, say, my husband is too quiet. 
Then they, they, they take the war for the husband. Say, go behind. I know you are a quiet one. Let me give it to him. And let him know that even though you are quiet, you do not marry a fool. So the husband is manifesting Christ. Then the wife says, let's give them our strength of carnality. And you hear, they boast in it. My husband is the quiet one, but I don't take nonsense. Go and ask him. And you know he's the quiet one. So when they ask him, is your wife? Then he doesn't reply. Then he says, ask me. I'll tell you. Don't boast in being carnal. Don't boast in your past life. Like I said, it's like some of us miss our past life. We felt that life would be no better if we're not born again. And you can see the tone of regret. Mm. If I never they go to church. Hi. You can feel like, can they give me leave? I, I, need, I need one week to be mad. I, I, I just, I need one week to show them. You haven't been convinced yet. If you still miss your past life, if you don't see that life that it is worthless, it is dead, it is in vain, you haven't been convinced yet. You know, there are people like that. If it was not for church, if it was not, I'm just respecting pastor, not the word. I'm just respecting pastor because I'm a deacon. If not, what I would have done to you? And you just realize that this one is about church position. He's not born again. There are many things that will unveil our flesh. And that's why discipleship. That when they put you in the midst of adverse situation, the character of Christ shows forth. Saints, there is a big work ahead of us. Every one of us to be conformed to what? Image of the Son. That when you tell someone something, they can take it to the bank. Are you here? You know, I, 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 funny enough, I don't like teaching on things that are trending. But I ask myself, do you think any, any, any child of God in their right senses has any reason to participate in a debate about polygamy? Do, what, what brings such discussion? Is that, the, is that the greatest doctrine that needs to be talked about? It shows you where our mind is. It shows you where our heart is. The scripture says, out of the abundance of our heart will the mouth speak. You know, someone asked me, he said, what's my opinion? I said, I don't have. You know, there are things I will never waste my time to discuss about. Paul wants Timothy to avoid baseless arguments. Say, I really want to know. Go and marry two wives, you will know. No, go and marry two. By the time both of them deal with you, you will know. And you know, we're very funny because a friend of mine asked me again. <laughs> I gave him a funny answer. But if anybody asked me, that's what I was asking. I said, see, if you say we can marry many wives, also agree that the women can marry many husbands. And you know, we don't want that one. Say, no, that one is not our culture. Okay, so, so now, we are not talking Bible again. You have moved to culture. You see, because the average man wants something that is good for himself. That is the selfishness that prevents us from becoming disciples. If we put ourselves under the cross, if we put ourselves down and allow Christ alone to be magnified in our life, it will be easy to walk the Christian race. And the world needs more examples of disciples of Jesus. Hallelujah. The world needs more examples of what? Disciples of Jesus. Make up your mind. 
that you will become fully trained and you will be like your teacher. That's your goal. Jesus is your goal. That's what you should write. That's what you should aim at. To be like Jesus. That's why Jesus came on the earth. To show us what the first Adam could not do. The second Adam came and showed us this is how to work as a son of God. Some may say, oh, it's not easy, pastor. Of course. Of course. He didn't come to say it's easy. That's why he gave us the Holy Spirit. How many of you have wanted to give somebody something really hot? And deep on the inside of you, you just feel like, relax. Relax. You know, someone posted something or something that I wrote. And I got very upset. I got very upset. So I, I opened the Word document. And I began to type my, my answer with scriptures. So it was 1,000 words. So I wanted to post it. <laughs> so I converted it to a PDF document and put it as ebook. Imagine, that's the reply I wanted to give to someone. You know, there's a way you can argue scriptures out of being angry. Like, let me show this person that you don't know Bible. Check Genesis. Check. You have missed the point already. Because the servant of the Lord must not strive. Do you understand? So discipleship is character formation. So that the people will become like his teacher. And in, in, that is why, I don't know if they still do it, but if you look at your degree, eh? the degree, what do they say? What, worthy in, this person is awarded so, because they found worthy in what? Character and learning. Going to school is learning. It is expected that by the time you finish your university, your character should be formed. That means that you should not behave like a street person. So, learning, listen to this, learning without character formation does not produce discipleship. And that is where we are in the body of Christ. Ever learning and never being able to come to the knowledge of the truth. It ought to form our character. That means you ought to look at yourself one year down the line and say, I'm more like Christ. If you were the only Jesus that people would see, would they become Christians? This goes beyond somebody will see me, somebody will know me, if they didn't know me as a Christian. No, no, no. That you represent Christ. But you have to be fully trained. And this is our goal, to be disciples. Not just the multitude who hear the message, eat bread and fish and run away. But we dig into Christ. We learn into Christ. When people see us, the life of God comes on the outside of us. You know, the meekness of the Christian faith is like foolishness in the world. It's like foolishness. There's something in us that always wants to make people don't take us for granted. And you know, there are many people where if you're being taken for granted or they, they, they feel like, oh no, oh no, if it was me, they will be boiling in anger. If it was me, if it was me. <laughs> And that, pay attention to this, that is what formed these current prayers we pray in the body of Christ was formed by the fact that we do not want to be, be disciples. Jesus says, love your enemies. We say, kill them. Let this man know that I'm not going to this church for nonsense. I'm serving God. You know, I was in school, we're in school then, we're just growing up, and this man did um, 
something to one of the guys who was with us. He was a pastor. So he did something. So I don't know what he did. Then I came home. I was eating. Normally when I'm eating, he comes around. So I called him. He said, he said no, 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 no. He's not eating. He's doing seven days dry fasting. I said, but we ate yesterday. When did this fasting start? He said, no, this woman has touched the anointing in the wrong way. So I said, so if they touch it in the wrong way, how do you... What do you want to do? He said he wants to fast seven days dry fast. Then on the seventh day, he's going to pray for this woman. So I said, so you will not eat? He said, no. So what will happen? You know, I was just naive to this killing thing we do. I, I, I couldn't understand. So he said, no, when he prays, this woman will not see next day. Ah. I said, so you are fasting to kill her? And you know, we boast in that. Jesus never did. But I'll tell you this, I'll talk about it tomorrow. When they were killing Jesus, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. When they were killing Stephen, Stephen says, Lady, Lay not this charge against them. Father, forgive them. Stephen, because he's been fully trained, was like his teacher. So when, when they were killing Stephen, the same response Jesus gave was the same response Stephen gave. Think of it. Use your mind to think of it. All of us take stones. And we are stoning you to death. The first thing is to say they don't know what they are doing. It's not correct. Say, God, I will forgive them. But these people are wicked. <laughs> you don't understand what I'm saying. Now, what will happen is you get into logic. Then, what, you know, have you heard people even say, if they say they want to kill us, let everybody take gun. Have you heard? I mean, I've heard teachers promote that. We will defend ourselves. We can also fight. It's not because we accepted Jesus. They say we cannot. Even Peter carried sword. Okay, so Peter carried sword. And Peter cut someone's ear. But Jesus replaced the ear. So now that you want to carry gun, when you kill the people, are we going to raise them from the dead? You see, when theology is emotional, it's devoid of consistency. Emotions must not go before theology. I just want to show you how Jesus responded to persecution was how Stephen responded. What has happened? He's become fully trained. He's become fully trained. He's become fully trained. And you realize that that prayer was the act of mercy that God opposed to Paul who was holding the clothes of those who were stolen in Philip. Stephen. And when you read that, it says... He saw heaven opened, and Jesus had the right hand of the Father. So there was, was a welcome for him. There was a welcome for him because he represented the Father. When you get before the Lord, would the Lord stand up and welcome you because you represented him well here on earth? Or they're going to ask you, Who did you live like on earth? Say, God, I'm a Christian, but I'm an Igbo man. Oh, I'm a Christian, but I'm a, I'm a reverse man. We reverse people. We don't take nonsense. You know, I've discussed with believers, and sometimes it's hard to engage them because their natural lineage presides over their spiritual reality. And sometimes that's what causes problems in our marriage. It's not that the marriage is a bad thing. It's because we have allowed our grandfather to govern that marriage through us. My grandfather used to say, if you don't handle a woman, a woman will handle you. So I made up my mind that I will handle the woman. And you keep handling and keep handling and keep handling. Now your wife and your children has left you. 
You know, but what you forgot was that your grandfather in those days, when they married women, they didn't accept them back. So when your grandfather was handling your grandmother, your grandmother took it as a death sentence and she endured. But today, if you handle somebody wrongly, if they go, it's the father that will send transport. Say, where are you? He said, I'm sending boats. I'm sending Uber to pick you. And then they will arrest you. So throw away that thing. Scripture says, husband, love your wife as Christ loved the church. That's not where it stops. And give. So in marriage, the man is the sacrificial lamb. Are you hearing this? Don't be shouting submission, 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 submission. Because that's the only verse that you know. Hey, why do you want to submit? Submit to your own husband. When you see your pastor, you can submit. When you see me, you cannot submit. And you know submission is not doing pounded jam at 1.30 in the night. You know, sometimes that can be wickedness expressed. Come back home. Somebody's tired. And they say, want to chop pounded jam. I chop and I prepare. I've been thinking about this for years. If you love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave Himself for her, it'll change everything. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I want you to go back home tonight and consider this as we continue our engagement on the subject of discipleship. What the Lord wants is disciples. Does this my life represent Christ in all honesty? And then we start learning the word. Hallelujah. Have you been blessed tonight? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We, we honor you. We give you praise. We thank you because as we look into the perfect law of liberty, we are being transformed into that same image. We thank you for your word that is coming. We pray that this word would be deepened in our hearts. That where we need to make adjustments, Jesus will make those adjustments. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Praise God. Uh, before we take your announcements, uh, thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email info at pastormax.ng or you can call 0805-888-7575 God bless you.